You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Falato, and we're coming off of a rare event, the Giants getting a home victory, the first of the season, their second win of the season against the Carolina Panthers as the Giants ascend to the mountaintop, a 25-3 victory against an inept offense led by Sam Darnold and Joe Brady, and Sam Darnold did not look comfortable at all. The Giants ended up getting six sacks, three on Darnold, three on P.J. Walker, who relieved Darnold down the stretch of this game, and this is a feel-good game for the New York Giants. Now, let's not pretend like the Giants' offense was lights out. There's a lot of correction that needs to be done, but Jason Garrett called one hell of a game here, and I know it was a little sloppy in the red zone after Kyle Rudolph stepped out of bounds. That doesn't necessarily fall into this category, but other than that, he did not put Daniel Jones in a position where he was just dropping back five-step drops, looking down the field, going through progressions. No, he was moving the pocket. He was using play action to create hesitation for the Panthers' defense, slowing down that pass rush, getting them off their mark while also setting up multi-level reads while flowing laterally. Guy in the flat, guy by the sticks, guy deep near the sideline, three-level reads. I thought Jason Garrett did a solid job putting Daniel Jones in a position to succeed. Daniel Jones finished with just north of 200 yards passing, 203, and then that touchdown also picked up 28 yards on the ground. The Giants struggled to establish the rushing attack with Devontae Booker, but they had that 19-yard touchdown run by Booker down the stretch of the game to kind of really put the cherry on top of this win. But what I'm really proud of is the defense, and I get it. They're going up against this Carolina offense that that has been spiraling for games, but these are the situations that you expect the defense to kind of get everything together and win and win their one-on-one matchups and not allow opposing teams to establish what their offensive identity is. Carolina, they're struggling with their identity right now. There's no doubt about it, but there have been games and teams in the past this season that this Giants defense were supposed to take advantage of, and they didn't. The Falcons, Washington football team, for instance, and the defense Patrick Graham led just floundered in those matchups. In this one, they did not. They came up huge in many situations getting pressure on the quarterback, forcing that turnover James Bradbury have, getting several PBUs, and getting Sam Darnold off his spot with interior pressure. Dexter Lawrence, he ended up having a sack, but he also drew two third down penalties by creating interior pressure. And this is the defense we were expecting to see. And yes, again, you have to take everything into account. The Carolina Panthers offense sucks right now. I get that. But still, the Giants defense rose to the occasion, and this could be And I'm not saying that this team is going to go on some miracle playoff run. I'm not being delusional or I don't have delusions of grandeur here, but this could be the game to kind of get this defense right and get it back on track to what they were in 2020, a top 12 type of defense. Because right now, this season, the Giants defense is a bottom five unit. They didn't play like that against Carolina. They played well. 
They looked confident, and that was one of the biggest gripes that I had with this defense is their lack of confidence and their lack of continuity on the back end. That did not seem to be an issue whatsoever. Against this Carolina Panthers passing attack, they stopped the run. Chubba Hubbard had 12 carries for 28 yards, couldn't get anything going on the ground, and this was an ugly game. It was a gross game. It wasn't necessarily a... A game filled with fantasy production or anything like that. It was a gross outing, but the Giants were able to win against a winnable opponent, despite the fact that the Giants are spiraling, and so were the Panthers. And the Giants are at home, get the win. So I think that's something to be proud of, and the Giants are going to need a lot to be proud of as they prepare to face the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football, a team that did not look great against the Tennessee Titans, and we'll get into that in a bit, but they're still the Chiefs. They still have a tons of offensive firepower, and they're going to be in prime time. They're going to want to make a statement against this Giants team in prime time. So that's going to be a huge game, and it's also on the road in Arrowhead, one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League. But good on Joe Judge and this coaching staff to get a win in a very, very winnable matchup and not continue to just dig that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. Something that just felt inevitable heading into this game, despite the fact that a lot of people believe the Giants could win this game. Myself, I thought they could win the game, but at the same time, I looked at the offensive line and I thought, man, against Brian Burns, against Hassan Reddick, against Derek Brown, all players who played solid games against the Giants. It's going to be difficult for this offensive line to hold up, and it was in certain situations, but I felt like the play calling of Jason Garrett allowed Daniel Jones to do enough with his legs and to do enough with his arm to not get killed when he was dropping back to pass. So I think those move-the-pocket, roll-out, bootleg type of plays really, really helped the Giants' offense here to really slow down what Carolina can do from a defensive perspective. Joe, Chris, and myself will talk about this a lot more on tomorrow's show, but I just wanted to bring it up. Good job by the New York Giants controlling the the clock and winning this game. It's something they should have done. They do deserve a little bit of praise, but at the same time, let's not get ahead of ourselves. They should have won this football game with the way Carolina looked. But let's move on to the rest of the National Football League, and we'll start with the Chiefs and the Titans. Look, Kansas City Chiefs are all out of sorts right now. They put up three points on the road against the Tennessee Titans, a team playing on a short week, played Monday Night Football, pulled off that upset against the Buffalo Bills, and now the Titans host the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, put the ball on the ground twice, and just couldn't get any offense going whatsoever, couldn't establish the run, couldn't pick up anything on third down. It was just an abysmal performance by Andy Reid and this Kansas City Chiefs team that is not playing up to their potential, nowhere near their potential right now. And credit goes to Mike Vrabel and this Titans coaching staff, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, and the like, all of them. A.J. Brown had eight catches for 133 yards and a touchdown in this game. Derek Henry threw a touchdown pass on an awesome designed Todd Downing red zone play where they handed the ball off to Henry. He didn't cross the line of scrimmage acted like he was going to, and then he found Nicole Pruitt for a touchdown. And Tennessee, 36 minutes time of possession, just churning the clock. And yes, Derrick Henry didn't have any rushing touchdowns. He had 29 carries for 86 yards, but he just kept picking up first downs and kept picking up first downs and kept Patrick Mahomes off the field. And then Tennessee's defense was just getting so much pressure on Pat Mahomes, throwing Pat Mahomes off his spot. They couldn't establish the run. Chiefs couldn't do anything. Now, I hope this is replicated on Monday Night Football. I don't have high hopes about that, but credit has to go to the 5-2 and two Tennessee Titan for pulling off two huge wins against two of the top teams in in the AFC and the Kansas City Chiefs need to figure out their issues right now because Tyree Kill is being stifled. Travis Kelsey had a solid game on what is known as National Tight Ends Day, which was new to me coming in. He had a solid game, but still not enough to propel this team to victory. And by halftime, this game was essentially over. The Tennessee Titans were up 27-0 at halftime. Kansas City kicked a field goal and then missed another field goal later in the second half. But 
This is just one of those games where you just have to write it off, learn what you can from it as a coaching staff, apply it going forward, and try to get your superstar team back on track. And they're going to be in a spot to do so against the Giants next week. But the Giants should be able to move the ball on this Kansas City defense. I thought possibly this defense was going to kind of have a little bit of a resurgence after stopping Taylor Heineke in Washington in Washington last week. But That totally was disproven by Tennessee's dismantling. Ryan Tannehill also deserves credit. Had a rushing touchdown, 270 yards passing, very efficient, 21 of 27, with a touchdown and an interception in this game. Moving on to the Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Rams. Now, this one was, I would say, filled with emotion because you have several players who are returning to their former teams or playing their former teams. Matt Stafford playing the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff playing the Los Angeles Rams. Those are two very interesting storylines. And my main takeaway from this game was a 28-19 loss for the Lions is I got to applaud the 0-7 coach Dan Campbell. And I know that's very unconventional, but Dan Campbell put everything on the line in this game and made this a very winnable game. Jared Goff threw a late interception to Jalen Ramsey near the goal line. That kind of repelled the Los Angeles Rams to victory here. It could have been a really interesting game down the stretch if that did not happen. It was just an incredible play by Jalen Ramsey, who's a top two cornerback in the National Football League. But... I love how Dan Campbell was just aggressive, man. He kicked an onside kick. He went for two fake punts and converted both of them, one throwing and the other one was running. So I loved what the message was to his team. It was like, look, we are going to steal possessions from the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to keep our offense on the field. We're going to be aggressive when we need to be aggressive, and we're going to win this damn football game. Now, they didn't get the end result that was desired, but they were picking up third downs. Jamal Williams kept picking up third downs. DeAndre Swift had one heck of a game. They were sustaining solid offense while catching the Los Angeles Rams, one of the best coached teams in the National Football League, off guard several different times. I want to applaud Dan Campbell for that, but at the end of the day, it's Sean McVay and his coaching staff that are winning this game because... The Rams have Matt Stafford at quarterback, 334 yards, three touchdowns, 28 of 41. Cooper Cup, 10 catches on 13 targets for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Van Jefferson got in the end zone. Robert Woods had six catches for 70 yards, a two-point conversion. Tyler Higby had a good game. It's just there's way too much offensive firepower on the Rams, and they have huge defensive studs like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who are two at the best at their position in the National Football League. So, Yes, the Detroit Lions lost, but this is an 0-7 team that is playing harder than many 0-7 teams that you've ever seen. So I actually have Dan Campbell as a winner here, despite the fact that he did not win on Sunday against the Rams. A very, very tough matchup. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, who beat the Washington football team 24-10, handled them pretty easily in this game. And one thing about this game that kind of uh, grinded my gears, if I'm going to pull my Peter Griffin out right here, was Taylor Heineke. They were down 7-21 to in the third quarter, and Taylor Heineke rushed for a touchdown, and there was no Green Bay Packer near him, and he just dove into the end zone. This new rule in the NFL says that if a quarterback dives, he's given himself up, so at the start of his dive, he's down. Now, this isn't a slide. This is a headfirst dive. Totally different thing. We've seen this in the past, and I get the, the dangerous element to it, and I think all of that and the health aspect need to be weighed in, but context has to be also levied in these types of situations, in my opinion, because Taylor Heineke was easily getting in the end zone there. He wasn't giving himself up, and we saw this happen with Josh Allen earlier this year. They're not giving themselves up. They're just diving into the end zone, and some could argue that that's a more protective way to mitigate risk of getting absolutely annihilated if you're diving in and it's low and there's no one that can kind of deliver that low shot on you in those situations, but he was ruled down at the like half-inch line, basically, and they couldn't score on the fourth down. It's just 
one of those things where the NFL comes out with these rules. They don't seem to work the first year that it's instituted, and then it's going to go back to the drawing board next year, and they'll fix it. It's happened twice this year. I've seen plenty of quarterbacks die in similar situations and it not be called, so it's an inconsistent rule. It's one of those things that I hope are fixed. But other than that, Green Bay just took Washington to task. They ascend to 6-1, and one, this 24-10 victory as Washington falls to 2-5. and five. Same record as the Giants, but they have that Thursday night football win over the Giants. Unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers had three touchdowns in this game, one to Devontae Adams, one to Alan Lazard, one to big Bobby Tanyan, Bobby Tanyan himself, tight end, national tight end day. Speaking of national tight end day, since everybody made such a big deal about it on social media, Kyle Pitts, seven catches for 163 yards. CJ Uzama, three catches for 91 yards, two touchdowns. Dallas Goddard, three catches for 70 yards, two-point conversion. Mike Isicki, seven for 85 and a touch. Travis Kelsey, 7 for 65. Robert Tunyon, 4 for 63. A tutty. Zach Ertz, 3 for 66. And a tutty in his first game with the Arizona Cardinals. Foster Moreau in for Darren Waller. 6 catches for 60 yards and a tutty. TJ Hawkinson, 6 for 48. Nicole Pruitt, 2 for 27. And that touchdown. I mean, there were a lot of tight ends that had really, really good games. But back to that Washington game. Taylor Heineke also had 95 yards on the ground. He was the leading rusher over Antonio Gibson, who was dealing with a shin injury, and J.D. McKissick, who only had four carries for 22 yards in this game. Terry McLaurin had one heck of a game as well. Seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. But let's move on to Baltimore and Cincinnati. Now, this is an awesome game because Cincinnati's really making it known that, hey, they are not pretenders. I was a little guilty to thinking that they were pretenders and not fully buying into what they were doing this season with Joe Burrow, who I think is a good quarterback prospect, and Zach Taylor, who I wasn't all that high on because he hasn't shown much up until this point, but now they're 5-2 and two, going into Baltimore and defeating the Baltimore Ravens 41-17 to to put themselves at the top of the AFC North right now because of this win. A 41-17 victory over the Ravens in Baltimore. Very, very impressive. And Joe Burrow, 23-38, 416 yards, three touchdowns, had an interception as well. But the connection that Burrow and Jamar Chase have, it's pretty incredible. I mean, Jamar Chase caught eight of his 10 targets for 201 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown run, too. He just broke through like three tackles. I don't know how Baltimore couldn't bring him down. C.J. Uzama having a huge game as well. It was a very encouraging game if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, somebody who follows this team, because this team has been in the gutter for so long, and those Andy Dalton years where they never won a playoff game seemed like they were forever ago, and they still, you couldn't even do anything in the playoffs when you had A.J. Green and Andy Dalton, and your team was kind of clicking on a lot of cylinders under Marvin Lewis, but now you're 5-2, and two. you get to travel to the Jets next week, then you host the Browns, and you travel to the Raiders, and then you host the Steelers, so some of these games are winnable, some of them are not, but they have positioned themselves right now towards the end of October as a possible playoff team and you look at teams like the Giants right now who seemingly are out of it I get that they won this game but I mean they have some really embarrassing losses Cincinnati Bengals are just beyond that by far right now and if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan I'm very very happy with the way this team is playing under Joe Burrow after he's coming off that serious injury that he suffered last year so 41 to 17 victory man credit to the Cincinnati Bengals before we get into the rest of the games let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24/7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Jets lost a rough one to the New England Patriots 54-13 up in Foxborough. And the biggest loss in this game by far is Zach Wilson. He ended up leaving this game with a knee injury. It seemed like... Matt Judon hit him a little late. It wasn't an egregious hit. It didn't seem malicious or dirty or anything like that. But for whatever reason, Zach Wilson, his knee buckled and he was on the ground for a little while. And Mike White had to come in to finish this game. He's going to have an MRI tomorrow, Zach Wilson. So hopefully it's it's not that bad. And that would be a terrible loss because the Jets have to evaluate this kid. This is already a lost season as they sit at 1-5. and five. They already had their bye week. And if Zach Wilson isn't there, then they're not going to evaluate him. And then he might not develop as well as he could have if he actually had the reps under his belt. And he really needs the reps, as do all these rookie quarterbacks who seem to be struggling pretty mightily, including Mac Jones, but not really in this game. He was 24 of 36 for 307 yards and two touchdowns. And if Brian Hoyer got in this game, Kendrick Bourne threw a touchdown pass. I'm telling you, man, the Patriots and Bill Belichick just love sticking it to the New York Jets. There were so many trick plays. Kendrick Bourne had the touchdown pass to Nelson Aguilar in this game near the goal line. Damian Harris had 14 carries for 106 yards, two touchdowns. J.J. Taylor had two touchdowns on the ground. Ramondre Stevenson's didn't dress in this game. A lot of people thought he could have a breakout game, including myself, because it was trending in that direction. But as people in fantasy world always say, do never trust Bill Belichick and a running back because Bill Belichick is very unpredictable with how he employs his running backs. We saw it in this game. Don't believe Ramondre Stevenson had a illness or an injury. I could be wrong there. Maybe I didn't hear about it, but he was scratched for this affair. And not much else to say here other than Elijah Moore got in the end zone, which was nice to see on an end around. It was the only, I guess, bright spot for the New York Jets in this game. Moving on, though, to the Falcons and the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins dropped to 1-6. and six. Not great. And it's a little weird, the scheduling here, because the Dolphins played in London last week. It didn't get the bye week like the Jaguars did. And they got to come here and host the Atlanta Falcons. So it's a prime upset spot here for the Dolphins, who weren't even favored in this game because they have been playing so poorly. You had the Falcons coming off the bye. I just think the schedule really got the best of the Dolphins here as well. But I don't want to take... I don't want to sound like I'm taking anything away from the Falcons because I am not. They win this game 30-28 to off the back of Matt Ryan, throwing for 336 yards and two touchdowns. Cordero Patterson had a touchdown on the ground. But the main star in this game is Kyle Pitts, man. Seven catches on eight targets for 163 yards. He had a 28-yard and a 23-yard catch. 
in the final drive because the Miami Dolphins at the end of the fourth quarter, they were up with less than two minutes left. They were up by a point, 28 to 27, and the Falcons needed to get in the field goal range for Young Way Koo, and that's exactly what they did, and that was on the back of Kyle Pitts' 28 and 23-yard gains. Pitts was everywhere for the Falcons beating double coverage, finding the voids and zones, making one-handed catches. So uh, it's really nice to see him really get going. We saw it a little bit against the Jets in London two weeks ago, but coming out of the bye, he was a huge part of this game plan. Calvin Ridley also got in the end zone after he missed that game in London. And then Mike Davis was like a non-factor, man. Four carries for 10 yards, didn't receive any action as a receiver, no targets or anything. So if you have Mike Davis in fantasy, it's time to write him goodbye because this is Cordero Patterson's backfield right now. And it should be because Patterson is just playing really, really good football at the moment. And as for the Miami Dolphins, Tua had 291 yards passing, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and they were pretty egregious interception. But he found Jalen Waddle, seven for 83. Mike Kosicki, seven for 85 and a touchdown. Connected on touchdowns to Matt Collins, Isaiah Ford, and Miles Gaskin. And Miles Gaskin seemed like it was his backfield again, but that's more of a product because Malcolm Brown got hurt as well. Salvin Ahmed came in at seven carries for 26 yards. Gaskin, 15 for 67. And that receiving touchdown was also received four targets and caught all four of them. So for fantasy purposes, Miles Gaskin still untrustworthy, but a little bit more trustworthy, especially if that Malcolm Brown injury is more serious than a lot of us anticipate. Moving on to the Eagles and the Raiders. The Raiders are playing really good football, man, without John Gruden. They beat the Eagles 33-22. The Eagles made it somewhat interesting down the stretch of the game, but this was really just dominated by the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr was just insane in this game. 31-34 for 323 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. I mean, 31-34, that is such an impressive stat line right there. He connected on touchdowns to Brian Edwards, who was 3-for-43, and Foster Moreau, who was 6-of-60 in the stead of... Darren Waller, who did not dress for this game. Josh Jacobs left this game with a chest injury, but Kenyon Drake was like, okay, I can fill your shoes. 14 of 69 for a touchdown. Jacobs also had a rushing touchdown before he left with an injury. So, Basadi, man, this guy, Rich Basadi, is getting this team on track right now as the Raiders are 5-2. and two. Look at the Chiefs right now. They're in a division with the Raiders at 5-2 and two and the Chargers at 4-2. and two. They're on their bye week this week. That's kind of problematic for the Chiefs, the way they're playing football right now. It's just something to kind of look at. And I don't know how long this will be sustained by the Las Vegas Raiders, but getting this home win is, is a big deal. The Eagles aren't necessarily a great football team. They fall to 2-5. and five. Miles Sanders was hurt early in this game, forcing Kenny Gainwell into a bigger role, and he looked solid in said role. But it just seemed like the Raiders controlled this game from the onset, and the Eagles' zone defense couldn't do anything against Derek Carr and the likes of Hunter Renfro, who was 7-58, finding little creases and little openings in the defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. So credit to this Las Vegas Raiders team for kind of overcoming the adversity that they have seen and they have faced and mounting two straight victories after their coach left his job because of the situation that he was dealing with. Moving on to the Texans and the Cardinals. This was one of those games that it was like, okay, there's no way the Texans can win, but they did get a safety in this game. The Houston Texans only scored five points with the Cardinals dropping 31, final score 31 to five. Kyler Murray, 20 of 28, three touchdowns and interception was hit a couple times in this game that did not Kind of looked pretty, to be honest. I was a little worried about the guy. And then Chase Edmonds got it done on the ground, 15 of 81. James Conner, 10 of 64, and a touch 
down. Zach Ertz had the big 47-yard touchdown catch, plucking it out of the air in stride. Very nice-looking play. A.J. Green came up with several very nice catches as well. Same stat line as Zach Ertz outside of the touchdown and the targets. A.J. Green was 3 of 66 as well. DeAndre Hopkins, 7 of 53 with the touchdown. And you had Christian Kirk, 4 of 50 with a touchdown. It just, there was a lot of players involved in this Arizona offense in terms of receiving the football and rushing the football because you know Benjamin got in Jonathan Ward got in and a lot of those were kind of down the stretch and in garbage time but the tandem of Chase Edmonds and James Conner is very very dynamic you have James Conner who's more of a thumper more of a hammer more of the goal line guy whereas Chase Edmonds is a bit more of the I'm going to cut you in half through the receiving game now it didn't necessarily happen in this game but he did have three targets called one of them for nine yards and he was also really involved on the ground looks like he's healing from that shoulder injury that he's been dealing with and as for the Houston Texans they fall to one and six here Cardinals remain undefeated and they couldn't get anything going offensively Davis Mills was 23 of 32 for 135 yards they couldn't establish any sort of rushing attack with Mark Ingram David Johnson or Philip Lindsay this was another game filled with a lot of revenge narratives because you have J.J. Watt and you have DeAndre Hopkins on the Cardinals side and then you had David Johnson on the Texans side obviously David Johnson was involved in that DeAndre Hopkins trade that Bill O'Brien pulled off one of the most maligned rightfully trades in recent memory in the National Football League and David Johnson hasn't necessarily done all that much for the Houston Texans but that entire team is just in turmoil right now as they fall to one and six a lot of teams at the bottom of the barrel right now in the National Football League only having one win Texans and Jags being in the same division in the in that AFC South moving on to the last game we're going to go over and that's the Bears and Buccaneers I'm recording this before Sunday Night Football a rainy type of game between the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Indianapolis Colts. This Bear and Buccaneer game was another just absolute beatdown, man. And I don't know how Matt Nagy is going to retain his job or if he's going to make it through this season because it doesn't seem like he makes any adjustments to help young Justin Fields out. And I think Justin Fields also looks like he's well over his head right now. He had three interceptions, put the football on the ground three times. Doesn't necessarily have the feel or presence in the pocket, but it's difficult for him, man. Not everybody can be Justin Herbert. And all these rookie quarterbacks who have talent this season, they all just kind of are a pitcher to, to greatness for Justin Herbert. Because what Justin Herbert did last year is insane. And none of these quarterbacks are even coming close to what Justin Herbert did. And I don't think that can be lost on the entire fan base of the National Football League. Justin Fields was 22 of 32 for 184 yards, three interceptions, no touchdowns, eight carries for 38 yards. There's not a lot of designed plays to put him in a situation to succeed outside of having him drop back to pass and look for his receivers over the middle on digs and slants. You have to get this guy in the move. You have to use his athletic ability. And I don't feel like Matt Nagy, just off of the little bit of the game that I have watched. Now, again, I haven't seen the whole game, but everything that I've seen, I haven't seen Matt Nagy put this kid in a position to really thrive right now. His offensive line is not playing well. His skill position players were dropping a lot of balls. Granted, the ball was never really fully on target. It didn't seem like there were, I think, two interceptions that were off of receivers' hands. And the ball was not placed well by Justin Fields. But still, he's not getting bailed out by his teammates. That's a terrible situation right there for the Bears as they fall to 3-4. and four, A 38-3 just beat down by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were clicking on all cylinders. Leonard Fournette, 15 carries for 81 yards. Ronald Jones, 10 for 63. Tommy Brady, 20 of 36 for 211 yards. Four touchdowns, three to Mike Evans, one to Chris Godwin, who was eight 
catches for 111 yards, 11 targets. There was no Antonio Brown in this game. There was no Rob Gronkowski. It didn't matter. Tampa Bay just controlled this game early and often. They were up 35-3 to at halftime and then took their foot off the gas pedal. The Bears just kept turning the football over and couldn't get anything going. But Khalil Herbert did look good, man. 18 carries for 100 yards, had a 29-yard long. He averaged 5.6 yards per carry against a very, very good Tampa Bay rushing defense. I think that's one of the bright spots you can take away if you're a Chicago Bears fan. David Montgomery is going to be out for one more game on the IR if he is on the short-term IR, so it's something to look at. I believe he is. Damian Williams returned in this game and didn't do much at all, so it was much more of a Khalil Herbert showing. But this Bears offense right now is just an absolute mess. It's It's been terrible under Matt Nagy. Bears have the 49ers next week, then they have to travel to Pittsburgh, and then they have to host the Ravens before traveling to the Lions. So there's some winnable games there. There's some questionable games there. There's some games they're probably going to lose, but the way they're playing football right now is not good at all for Justin Fields. It's not good for this coaching staff. It's not good for this offense in general, and it's certainly not good for the Chicago Bears fan base. But it is good if they continue to play crappy football for the New York Giants because the Giants own their first-round pick after allowing Ryan Pace and the Bears to trade up to select Justin Fields. So I'm rooting for more Chicago Bear losses because I want the Giants to have a higher draft pick. And if the Giants continue to spiral, they can realistically have, you know, two top six, top seven picks, which would be pretty exciting come draft time and you know we're going to be covering it here at big blue view thank you everybody for listening to filato on football i am nick filato please check out our website big blue view and take care of yourselves be safe and we'll talk to you soon more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.